Hi, I'm Gianna Volpe, and thank you for listening to The Heart of the East End on WLIWFM, the show where we get to the heart of any matter at hand with folks from all walks of life on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. We stream online at WLIW.org radio and welcome your comments, questions, and collaborations of all kinds on the heart of the East End. Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, I'm Gianna Volpe with local news on Long Island's only NPR radio station. Across Long Island, British expats, business owners, religious leaders, and everyday citizens mourn England's Queen Elizabeth II as a pillar of stability and decency through decades of social, economic, religious, and racial unrest. Barbara Hendry, originally of Bellport, recalled the day in 2010 when the Queen pinned a medal on her during an investiture ceremony at Buckingham Palace. At the time, Hendry was a civil service officer in the British government's Department for International Development. As quoted in Newsday, quote, I remember her dignity and the sense of being in awe of someone who devoted their life to service and kept faith with what, uh, with that in a consummately professional way, said Hendry, who serves as director for the North America Office of the United Nations Environment Program. Quote, the symbolic responsibility she carried on her shoulders was immense, but she never let it show. She was unfailingly courteous and managed to stay on her feet for several hours on end. And quote, Queen Elizabeth visited New York three times during her 70-year tenure, although she does not appear to have set foot on Long Island. She first visited in 1957 with her husband, Prince Philip, who died in 2021 at age 99, taking in the Empire State Building and Statue of Liberty. The Queen would return in 1976 for the nation's bicentennial celebration, stopping for lunch at the Waldorf, Waldorf Astoria Tea at the Morris Jumel Mansion in Washington Heights and tying up traffic on Lexington Avenue as she wandered the aisles at Bloomingdale's. She would return to the city one final time in July 2010, addressing the U.N., placing a wreath at Ground Zero and opening a garden dedicated to British citizens who died on 9-11. Bishop Lawrence Provenzano, head of the Episcopal Diocese of Long Island, said of the Queen's passing that the world has lost a critical role model. It's, quote, the passing of an individual who for more than 70 years represented an expression of loyalty, grace, service that was exemplary to Anglicans worldwide, Provenzano said. The Episcopal Church in the United States is part of the Anglican communion but operates independently of it. He said the queen or king appoints the head of the Anglican communion, the Archbishop of Canterbury, the Anglican Communion is the second largest body of Christians in the world, with 85 million followers. Bishop Provenzano attended a church conference in England this summer that brought together 650 Anglican bishops. Quote, we were all aware of the fact that when the next conference happens, she would no longer be the queen. He said, Long Island business owners with British roots, far from home in a country without a sense of a monarchy's meaning struggled to absorb news of the Queen's passing. Glenn Treacher, whose family owns Robinson's Tea Room, a British-inspired restaurant in Stony Brook, told Newsday that while Brits knew this day was coming, the news hit hard just the same. Quote, it was, it was expected 
but still a shock, said Treacher. He was born in Wales. The queen was pretty well loved by everyone, so it's a sad day. In the Flanders-Northampton area, the Flanders-Northampton Volunteer Ambulance Corps, FNVA, is receiving backlash from residents in its service area who say they are being improperly billed by the Ambulance Corps' third-party billing company. But the ambulance chief said the issue can be easily resolved and that residents of the district don't have to pay for the service. Alec Lewis reports on RiverheadLocal.com that members of FNVA discussed the problem during the Flanders, Riverside, and Northampton Community Association meeting Tuesday evening where residents complained about being billed for ambulance services. Chief Mark Dunleavy said the Corps started third-party billing to collect revenue for the district from insurance provider. Quote, it's successful, generates a decent amount of revenue to help offset the payers for uh, the taxpayers for annual budget. He said the third-party company, Professional Ambulance Billing of Williamsville, New York, bills people's insurance after an ambulance ride to the hospital. If residents do not have insurance or their insurance company did not cover the whole cost, they do not have to pay the balance because they are already taxpayers in the ambulance district, he said. Dunleavy said residents should call the ambulance corps if they keep receiving bills from the company so FNVA can communicate with the company and tell them to waive the rest of the cost. He said there is no legal way for the third-party billing service to only bill non-residents and communication with the FNVA is the best solution to the problem. However, Lisa Gould said she received five months of bills for her husband's ambulance ride. She knew not to pay because she worked in hospital billing, but others don't have the same knowledge. She said even after she contacted FV, FNBA to resolve the issue, she still received a bill in the mail the month after. Quote, there's a huge disconnect between what the ambulance company's intentions are and what this company is doing, she told Riverhead Local this week. And finally, Harbor, a Harbor Fest, a post-Labor Day tradition in Sag Harbor, returns to the village waterfront this weekend. I, I have a feeling it's going to be a big one. Uh, Stephen J. Coates reports on 27East.com that most of the events of the annual annual fall festival sponsored by the Sag Harbor Chamber of Commerce will take place on Long Wharf and in John Steinbeck Waterfront Park from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. on both Saturday and Sunday with whaleboat races, a petting zoo for kids, and a Saturday evening concert among the highlights. Um, Ellen DiGiardi, the president of the Sag Harbor Chamber of Commerce and one of my favorite people said, quote, we are very excited this year's festival is expanding to Steinbeck Park. We moved some of the children's activities to the spacious waterfront park, including pony rides and a petting zoo with Tony the Pony and his barnyard buddies, along with some other fun games and participation from the John Germain Memorial Library and the South Fork Natural History Museum. For more info and up to date uh, or up to minute schedule of events, you can go to sagharborchamber.com. Reading the weather in Hampton Bays in honor of our first guest this morning, poet Bree Onishe, who read at yesterday's Hope and Recovery event in Good Ground Park, looking like a sunny Friday with a high near 76 degrees, northeast wind 8 to 10 miles per hour. Weather tonight clear with a low around 63 degrees, light and variable wind. Right now it's 66 degrees. I am going to give you the very same uh, playlist that I played for you a year ago today, uh, partly because it's got uh, this single, this spoken word single from Forrest Black called Find Me. Uh, I dedicate that one to anyone out there grieving 
the loss of a loved one, including um, my sister Danielle and her family, as well as the family of her late husband, Roland Velez, as well as, of course, all those mourning the loss of Queen Elizabeth II. I'm Gianna Volpe. This is Billy Bragg and Wilco. And you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the heart of the East End.
Billy Bragg and Wilco approaching the bottom of the nine o'clock hour on Friday morning, uh, just after midnight if you're listening to the replay. And that means it's time for our Friday morning tea, underwritten by Village Overhead Doors, welcoming onto the program for the first time Brie Onisha, a poet from Queens, I believe, who was here on the East End yesterday at, at um, Hugs, uh, I think it's Hugs, that, that presents the Hope and Recovery event that we attended last night at Good Ground Park uh, in Hampton Bays. We're very happy to see Poetry Street there, Maggie Bloomfield, and a team of incredibly um, talented poets reading uh, reading their works. We walked in when Bree was presenting. I ended up writing uh, down our information on one of the WLIWFM bookmarks, and then we had to run, and we were going to go to the uh, uh, Quag Wildlife Refuge's full moon hike, but we were we were tired, so we ended up just going to Scotto's, grabbing some dinner, and as we were leaving, we're passing by Guava, and Ryan says, hey, there's that poet from the event, and there you were, Bree, uh, sitting sitting alone, and we were talking about how we wanted to go there, but how uh, how... How funny it is that we had reached out to you. Are you are you on the line? I am still on the line. Yeah. Um, it turns out the Long Island traffic has not improved one bit. Oh gosh, since no. I left Long Island. It took me nearly three hours to get out there yesterday. Yeah, you know, we, we're we're all kind of, uh, especially the local set. You know, we have this annual tradition called Tumbleweed Tuesday, which means that after Labor Day, we kind of get a break. Um, Tumbleweed Tuesday mm-hmm. has sort of long been dead, uh, especially uh, since COVID, uh, because a lot of people are, are staying out through what some call local summer, September and October, which are beautiful times to be here, but was kind of like our time. Uh, it's not our time. <laughs> the city is still here, although that's not all bad, of course. In fact, uh, mm-hmm. you are you are from the city. And you are here. Your work is mm-hmm. wonderful. Can you tell me a little bit about your connection to Maggie Bloomfield, to Poetry Street, and to the event yesterday? Sure. Um, so Maggie met through another social work friend of mine. Uh, they are part of or were part of the Poets of Wellbeing. So that is comprised of Maggie Bloomfield, Susan Dingle, and Terry Muse. And so I met Maggie through Terry. Um, They're all fabulous humans and fabulous poets. And then I've featured at Poetry Street a couple of times, most recently virtually, um, back in May. And I was very excited to be invited to that event because and I didn't want to take anybody's uh, thunder yesterday, but I actually work for New York Project Hope as well. So um, we I love have a Project degree in Hope. social work. And- so wait a minute. I'm sorry to, to step yeah. on you, but I, I just got to talk about Project Hope a little bit more. You guys only recently came on my radar uh, through um, a collaboration with Ola of Eastern Long Island um, mm-hmm. with the, the, the call-in number for people in crisis. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about your uh, your involvement with Project Hope. So I am a team lead with Yes New York Project Hope. Ola is fantastic. I've uh, met the team lead. She's super sweet. Um, so Yes is more mid-island. 
Um, and my connection to them, I was a Yes Kid myself. It stands for Youth Enrichment Services, and they have a lot of free after-school programs um, in Islip, the town of Islip. Uh-huh. And then there's also one of the few mental health clinics for youth available. So they uh, service children as young as five. Fantastic. Please. So you, you grew up in Islip? Is that, am, I, am I getting it right? Yes, I grew up in West Islip. <clears throat> yes, not the not a pun. But but tell me about the importance of programs like these uh, since you're a yes kid yourself. Oh, sure, absolutely. Um, so I made some great friends there. I made some lifelong connections, and well, I kind of still come back when they had a virtual position available. Um, I feel like I probably would not be as well-rounded if I had not had uh, the experiences that I'd had um, with the people that were there, the kids that went there. The um, They had homework help. They mentored me uh, for years, um, in, both, you know, as, as a youth and then when I was starting off in the work field, um, really been a fantastic experience and Marianne Pfeiffer um, she does a lot a lot with the nonprofit community um, throughout the island but uh, especially you know in the local area so oh. if you're looking for people to yes, interview please. you've got stories I'm sure <laughs> I would love to have Marianne on so we'll we'll talk about that later we'll, we'll get connected uh, and then let's talk a little bit about the importance of poetry for you how has it changed your life and in what ways Oh, um, that's such a good question. Um, so the real, I actually hadn't felt connected to poetry until Buddy Wakefield came to my school. He's a performance poet and that intrigued me. But then the real push was actually kind of, it's very sad. Um, I lost a friend, um, while I was in college and, I kind of had a carpe diem seize the moment uh, revelation when I was listening to his favorite musician, who was Frank Turner. And I was like, I've got to do something. And I've got to, like, I've got to put these feelings out there. I've got to, I've, it, it was something where it was like, I would always, I'd, I'd been tinkering in it for a couple of years, but not performing. And right. Then, oh God, the poetry community has very much changed my life. It's been an incredible few years. So, I understand that. So you know what? I'm actually I was going to play a track called um, "Find Me" from a band called Mermaid, but I'm actually going to hop past that. And when we lead out after your interview, I'm going to play Forrest Black's uh, spoken word single "Find Me," um, which I mentioned earlier in the, earlier in the program. Uh, is going out mm-hmm. to those grieving from the loss of someone. Um, my brother-in-law yeah. passed yesterday. Of course, Queen Elizabeth II passed yesterday. Many people dealing I'm so with sorry for oh, your loss. You know what? It's it's it's. I'm I'm sadist because I, I worry for he has two littles, as we say. So two mm-hmm. two young kids, and then the eldest had just gone off to to college um i am i'm sad for my sister and her family but that's 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 grief that's loss and 
one of the things that um, one of the reasons why I asked you about the importance of poetry in your life is because it is such a powerfully transformative uh, method of coping and 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 um, processing feelings. So I I wasn't at all surprised to hear that it was a loss that brought you um, closer to uh, poetry. So that song will be for you. But there was a there was a piece that you read yesterday that I would love for you to perform for us before I let you go. And and I I screwed up the title yesterday. I'm going to do it again right now. It, it's something like to be finite, but there's an extra word or two that I'm missing, right? Yes. It's um it's if to be finite, but it is okay to just call it to be finite. If so to I be think finite. That it will uh <laughs> You're you're wonderful, but no. If to be finite and just just tell us a little bit about about writing this work and what it means and what it means to you before you do read it. Oh, um so I am uh I, I follow a lot of, um, it's called the good death movement um, or the death positivity movement. And what that is, is really um, an acceptance and an awareness that we are all finite and we all have a limited amount of time on this planet. And it kind of overlaps with the carpe diem and um, essentially just recognizing that if you know that you've only got a finite amount Time, then you'll live a more fulfilling or daring or meaningful life in some regards because you really are stepping into the fact that time um, isn't guaranteed for anyone. And so um, I found this quote, uh, the quote that the poem opens up with by Og Mandino, who was an author and philosopher, and um, I was just like this needs to be a poem <laughs> and it captures I think that that feeling of who would you want to be if this was you know your last day your last moment go ahead you can uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm ready oh I'm so sorry, sorry. no um, don't be don't be sorry I'm just I'm so if if to be finite, so Brie Onisha, this is your your work? Yes. Right here on WLIWFM. If to be finite. Beginning today, treat everyone you meet as if they were going to be dead by midnight. Extend to them all the care, kindness, and understanding you can muster and do it with no thought of any reward. Your life will never be the same again. And that quote is by Og Mandino. Summer strawberries. That is what I hope I remember when I die. Herring knife, inconsistent cubes, banana slices, maple syrup, milk or cream. How breakfast was always a promise, even if I was feigning death that day. Beginning each moment is a new moment to begin. So, did you wipe your calendars clean? All these numbers that govern our when in ticks and talks, colons and dashes, how irrational. 
Beginning today, I have lost my footing on a hike, found myself clinging to roots to prevent cliffside tumbling. My body is not made of stone. In so many ways, it is only blown glass. What pieces of me will they collect? What pieces of you? If, by midnight, breath has been stolen from my lungs, from yours, will you regret the exchange of air, suddenly so precious and so finite, words formed of bullets or of shields? Suddenly, I wonder if forgiveness would taste less like lemon and more like meringue. If anything is truly unforgivable, or if time plus magic holds capacity to transform all beasts into men. Call it naivety, but overnight I fell in love with the 23rd hour, with the way streetlights dancing on asphalt contain the music of infinite late night car conversations. Compositions composed in black and white silhouettes, but also full color. Freshly born, skin pulled back until I too am skeletal and swaying but also exposed. To remedy this, invite me over for tea, offer tongs full of sugar cubes, more than I will ever use. Explain it is the sweetness of knowing we all burn our lips that first sip. It is all I will need to know exactly what you mean. Re Onisha on the Heart of the East End's Friday Morning Tea underwritten by Village Overhead Doors here on Long Island's only NPR radio station. I'm Gianna Volpe, and this is Forrest Black. We'll be back. I was once told that walking through a doorway could cause someone to forget even the most precious memories they had. Memories of good, memories of bad, memories of love and of loss, all tucked away neatly stored like the worn-out blankets that were kept to dress the rainy days and bad habits that happened from time to time. Or what it felt like to rest your head on a friend's shoulder that still carries with it the creases from where you last placed your heart. Just like that. Gone within a single step. That somehow three beams and an imaginary line drawn across some old aching floorboards were all that stood between you and the infinite silence of the very things that once colored your mind with sound. It's funny. You can make yourself believe almost anything if you uh, if you think about it for long enough. I was once told that the love I felt beating inside my chest was nothing more than my mind playing an unfair trick on my heart. And like a pair of dice dancing along the uneven pavement, their fate much like yours or mine, had already been decided. That even the cracks that drew their faults between two opposing sides could not escape a fate that was always destined to be sealed. To think that someone could actually believe that the swelling tides of my heart were no more than an anxious highway of ins and outs anchoring my imagination to the castles I've been building in the sky. Well, maybe they are the crazy ones. Then again, I have been known to misplace my hope in the way things fall. And if I had to confess, there stands a greater chance that I've all but lost my mind in here. But I suppose it's better off this way. 
because I've always believed that the odds of finding what you seek tend to favor those who are open to seeking them in the first place. And I, for one, have never quite understood how odds stand to get even without that frame in mind. To be clear, I've seen a million faces. I've seen a million different faces, each one mirroring that of your own. And still, none of them have felt like home to me. None of them have felt like you. So here we are. And I can vaguely and strangely trace your outline. I can remember what it felt like to hold you. I can remember what it was like to stare blindly into your eyes for what felt like an eternity. How could I forget that? I could never forget that. I could never forget you. No matter how long it takes for my words to make their way through the vastness of this place we've called home, I unto you and you unto me, I say them and will continue to do so, day after day, night after night, never knowing if you'll actually hear them. There's no place for time here, just overlapping moments where I thought I'd found you, where I thought I heard the sound of your breath, where I felt your heart as it waited patiently for mine, retracing the steps that we left in the life before last, before our eyes closed, before the great divide, before a doorway stood between you and me. As it stands, I found myself in that doorway again, with both feet and in your heart on my sleeve, but I can't bring myself to walk through this time. Not yet, at least. Not until I take one last look and see that it was you. That it was always you. Our hearts strung across those old fragile floorboards. The silhouettes of each and every one of our memories playing out like a story that we both know we've seen before. I remember now. This was where I first found you. Beyond those closed doors, I will find you again. May all those lost rest in peace and love. Sonny James on deck, Paul Simon after that, on WLI, WFM, NPR Radio. Stay by my side when 
guide, be my guide. If they gave me a fortune, my pleasure would be small. I could lose it all tomorrow and never mind at all. But if I should lose your love, dear, I don't know what I'd do. There's been some hard feelings here about some words that were said. Been some hard feelings here, and what is more? There's been a bloody purple nose, and some bloody purple clothes that were messing up the life It's just a partner house fool, so all you partner house fools, remember one man's shit.
If you're looking for the local music, don't turn that dial. The Hoodoo Lounger's right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, Watch House, Lucinda Williams, and another local band, The Other Shoe, here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. 88.3 on the FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk, of course, Streaming online to wherever you are at WLIW.org slash radio. From this town to my feet I saw I'm not down That's why I'm at your door Won't you please Just make me a pallet on the floor. Why any kind of begging so I can rest my weary head? Oh, please take me in your arms once more. Just lay me down a pallet on the floor. Lay me down a pallet soft and low. Cause I'm broken, I got nowhere to go. Those weary blues are ever. Everywhere I 
Memphis here and my dinner in Tennessee. I get my breakfast here and my dinner in Tennessee. I get my breakfast here and my dinner in Tennessee. I'm coming soon, so man, you better look for me. Honey, I can't lay down on your bed. You're listening to the Heart of the East End, the weekly or weekday morning and midnight show featuring music from all decades and genres and interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter. Let it care. 
I'll take you down, you cry, take you down, down, down. And my reply was why you got me now. As the morning light lit the sky. Why well, On a line straight into the NPR news break, moving from Watch House's lines on the floor to Lucinda Williams' lines around your eyes, the other shoes, your lines, leading you into the NPR news break. And the next local news update here on WLI WFM.
With Long Island Local News, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Some Suffolk County government websites and email addresses were taken down last night to assess a possible cyber intrusion. County officials said Vera Chinese reports on Newsday.com that Mary Kate Gilfoyle, a spokesperson for Suffolk County Executive Steve Ballone, said in a statement the county was coordinating with the New York State Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services Cyber Incident Response Team and other law enforcement agencies on the matter. Some county websites were not accessible and emails sent to county uh, email addresses were being bounced back Thursday evening. Quote, the systems will remain 
offline while we verify and assess the ongoing situation. Guilfoyle said critical public safety functions such as 911, however, will be maintained. County officials could not say if any data had been breached or if the county had experienced a ransomware attack on Long Island municipalities and school districts have been victim of such attacks, which can expose personal information and cost money to repair technology and possibly pay a ransom to retrieve stolen data. In December, county legislators and law enforcement officials expressed concern that personal data of more than 3,800 county law enforcement officers and first responders might have been breached in a ransomware attack on a county vendor. In other news, Long Island shoppers looking for lower prices along with increased online grocery shopping and growing interest in specialty ethnic foods all mean consumers are spreading their dollars across more places, experts said. That's putting the squeeze on traditional supermarkets, and Long Islanders are not alone. Torianne Parrish reports on Newsy.com that today, 61% of American shoppers use non-traditional stores, such as discount grocers, wholesale clubs, and supercenters like Walmart and Target for their primary grocery shopping, compared with less than 20% 20 years ago, according to Solomon Partners, a financial services company in Manhattan. The average American household shops for food weekly at five different retailers, including drugstores, dollar stores, and online, according to the firm. For retailers, the stakes are high. Long Islanders spend $11.4 billion on groceries in the last 12 months, according to a June report from Food Trade News. The number of grocery stores on Long Island is shrinking, led mostly by a loss of traditional supermarkets from, supermarkets from events, including the 2015 closure of 51 Waldbaums and Pathmark stores after their parent company filed for bankruptcy. Some were scooped up by competitors, the sale of Best Market, and the bankruptcy of Fairway Market. At the same time, the number of limited assortment discount grocery stores like Lidl and Aldi and non-traditional grocery sellers like Dollar General, Costco, and BJ's is growing as those chains expand. The number of supermarkets and other grocery stores in Suffolk County declined from 500 in 2011 to 365 in 2021, a 27% decrease, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. Those numbers do not include warehouse clubs, supercenters, or convenience stores. And finally, the developers of South Fork Wind will hold a virtual open house this coming Monday, September 12th, to walk East Hampton residents through the final and most technical phase of the installation of the onshore sections of the Wind Farms Power Cable, work that will start this fall and run through the winter. Michael Wright reports on 27East.com that those who wish to participate in the live event, which will start at 6 p.m. this coming Monday, can register at SouthForkWindVirtual.com. Looking at the weather in Sag Harbor in honor of this weekend's Harbor Fest and our next guest, Dr. Patricia Turner, joining us at the bottom of the hour to discuss the book launch and signing of her newest Trash Talk, Anti-Obama Lore and Race in the 21st Century, which will take place at the 139 Hampton Street Heritage House at 1.30 p.m. this Saturday afternoon, looking like a sunny Friday with a high near 77 degrees. Northeast wind around 9 miles per hour tonight, mostly clear, with a low around 64 degrees, light and variable wind. With a note, there is a high surf advisory through Saturday night this weekend, or Saturday night. <clears throat> so if you are a surfer, uh, please do be careful out there. Check weather.gov 
for more information right now. It's 67 degrees. I'm Gianna Volpe. Getting the tunes from all decades and genres restarted with Lily Mays. Didn't I from her Other Girls record of 2019. SZA and Justin Timberlake's The Other Side. And then our very own Jack LaCitra, Jack's Waterfall, The Other Side of Town, from the On the Path record of 2021. Rory Kelly fans, stay tuned. We'll have her after Jack Johnson's I Got You. Looks like I have both Full Moon Charm Bracelet and Up From Here uh, from her 2021 record Shadow Work on there. So I'll decide which one I'm going to play. Maybe both if I'm feeling feisty. Sarah Marie Rory's Hawk in the Round after that. You are listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, the weekday morning and midnight show, of course, featuring all music from all decades and genres, as well as folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Stay tuned for our Hot Sounds segment underwritten by Sag Harbor Cinema. We're going to be speaking with Dr. Patricia Turner about her new book, Trash Talk, Anti-Obama Lore and Race in the 21st Century. In just a few moments, staying on Long Island with the tunes, Jack's Waterfall, the other side of town, here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. In elementary one in middle school Our youngest can barely swim in a pool Each one sinking since we split Just didn't work out Wasn't something somebody did 
She takes me back and then she rocks me slow. Gives me somewhere to go home, but I don't really know. She holds me up and then she brings me down, but I'm already standing on the other side of town. Got an apartment down on Main Street, or some place to go, always some place to eat. Went on a date with a girl I met online. Tried to pretend that I was doing fine. She takes me back and then she rocks me so. Gives me somewhere to go when she don't really know. She holds me up and then she brings me down. But I'm already standing on the other side of town when the walls are closing in somewhere at the end is where you're forced to begin seeing things that you never saw catching things that you never caught And the neighbors seem confused It's a small town Everybody knows what you do I'm just glad to see the kids smile It's good to be back Even if it's only for a very little while She takes me back and then she rocks me so Gives me somewhere to go you don't really know she holds me up and then she brings me down but i'm already standing on the other side of town she takes me back and then she rocks me so gives me somewhere to go but you don't really know she holds me up and then she brings me Long Island's own Jack LaCitra, Jack's Waterfall, the other side of town, leading us to the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour on Friday morning, just after 1 o'clock if you're listening to the replay. That means it's time for our hot sound segment underwritten by Sag Harbor Cinema. I don't often do two books in a week uh, because reading one book uh, is, is tough enough, but I'm so glad that I made space for this interview with Dr. Patricia Turner the author of the brand new book, Trash Talk, Anti-Obama Lore and Race in the 21st Century. Uh, She'll be doing a signing this Saturday at the Heritage House in Sag Harbor amid the uh, fun of Harbor Fest this weekend. And we couldn't be more grateful to have her on the air with us. Welcome to the show, Dr. Turner. Oh, it's so nice to be with you. Okay, so I want to go all the way, uh, even further than when you started researching uh, 
um, you know, the differences between rumor, contemporary legend, and conspiracy theory. I want to go all the back, all the way back to your childhood to find out what attracted you uh, to the idea of trash talk. I know your parents uh, raised you not to engage in such things. Do you think that that's part of what attracted you to the topic in the first place? Well, Gianna, I think, as you know, I'm a local girl, and I actually walked by the Eastville house every day to go to school, pretty much from kindergarten to 12th grade in Sag Harbor. So it means so much to me to be back here. And my parents and Pearson and the community here, it was a great place to learn critical thinking skills. It was very safe to ask questions here. Uh, even in that time, you know, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but growing up here in the, in the 60s and the 70s, uh, my teachers at, at Pearson in Sag Harbor encouraged me to explore wherever my, my reading took me. The folks at John Germain Library would l- let me take out any book I wanted to take. I took out grown-up books when I was a little girl. So somehow from that, I managed to get to looking at the birther beliefs about the Obamas, the um, rather horrific set of texts about Michelle Obama, all of the deep state material that's a precursor to January 6th and what's going on now. You know, I actually saw in real time how easily people are misled by what you call contemporary legend, because I first read the I'd like to teach the world to sing uh, uh, excerpt from your bur- your book as though it were a real story. I had to go back and read the lead-in to it, so I thought it was a-, a fascinating topic and really cuts right to the heart of the difficult position we as a people and a society have found ourselves in 2022, a place where obviously serious journalism is of utmost importance in parsing truth from oceans of misinformation out there. You talk about sites and systems like Snopes as being invaluable. But Dr. Turner, what you do in monitoring the creation and evolution of contemporary legend, rumor, fake news in the ilk is next level national treasure material. So first of all, thank you so much for writing this book. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about how presumptions, rumors, and lore affected your own ascension and movement in the world? I'm wondering perhaps if you came across people and presumptions about you when going to college, as you mentioned that you, you said uh, you mean we, we, concerning attending college during years of affirmative action. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, um, you know, the, the beliefs that um, Barack and Michelle Obama didn't belong into college, in the colleges that they attended Princeton, you know, uh, uh, Harvard Law for for, uh, for for both of them, um, were around the time of affirmative action. Now, they're, again, dating myself here, they're, they're both a little bit younger than me. But there was a presumption in those days that if you were African-American, that there was a side door that had been opened for you in the college admissions process. Just your presence on campus amongst some of your fellow students signaled that you hadn't, you didn't belong there. No one automatically looked at you and assumed, oh, well, you went to a really, you had a really good foundation of K through 12. You came from a two-parent household. You had all of the markers 
of academic success. Your address, the color of your skin, for many people mark you as someone who um, probably didn't have the SAT scores, the graduating GPA that uh, uh, put you into college. I had, I had a, a region scholarship, um, and then I had scholarships to grad school. I really ran more resistance in grad school. But, um, but the, no one assumed that you, you, you had the basic toolkit right. of academic success. So let's talk about the restriction of physical movement as it figures into folklore even far before Obama's uh, political ascension and, and if it is in some way related. Absolutely. I think a lot of the material, those who disseminate the anti-Obama materials were perceiving him and Michelle as being, um, having gone too far. And, um, um, they weren't in their place. They got out of their place. The place for African-Americans was not in the White House, not in the corridors of power. And that kind of um, desire to keep African-Americans in their place goes hundreds of years back, of course, when the those who owned slaves didn't want them to go any further than the fields, didn't want them to go to um, neighboring plantations and factories, certainly didn't want them out after dark um, when all kinds of havoc could be raised. After the Civil War, with the emancipation of the slaves, there was an effort in that Abraham Lincoln participated in um, called colonization, which was a real serious study of sending sending the recently emancipated enslaved people to Africa as a way of getting them out of the United States. So there's a multi-hundred-year history of distress over the possibility of African Americans being in the white corridors of power. So let's let's look at um, contemporary legends in in particular, and sort of uh, educate people about how like a legend cycle works using uh, Obama and Snapple as examples, and and what sorts of things attract a life a legend cycle to a person or, or a company or, uh, or, or other thing? Um, yeah, I, I, I always get some chuckles from people when I say that Barack Obama and Snapple iced tea have a lot in common. But they really, really do um, have a lot in common. Um, you, your listeners who can remember when Snapple first came out will remember that it just burst on the scene, scene suddenly. It was like one day... It wasn't an an option at a restaurant or in the store. The next day, it was everywhere. The same thing happened with Barack Obama. You know, one day we'd never heard of him. The next day, he gave a speech for John Kerry. The next day, he was touted as being the next possible candidate, black candidate for president. Um, Snapple was a little bit pricier than its competition. Barack made no bones about the fact that his campaign was going to require serious investment from people who hadn't participated in politics before. Snapple, remember, it's an iced tea. That was perceived as a really kind of an unusual name for a product that is iced tea, Snapple. Mm -hmm. And Barack Obama, for many people, 
They'd never met anybody named Barack before. They'd never met anybody named Obama before. And the thought of having a serious contender for the presidency was insane as its name. Um, very, very off-putting to some people. Um, I could go on. They advertised in ways that were perceived to be very, very unorthodox. In the early days, Snapple only advertised on talk radio, which was considered very strange for a beverage. And um, Obama, in the early days, also issued conventional TV and radio advertising uh, initially and used this newfangled thing called the Internet to, um, to, get, to get a lot of the word out about him. So there's actually a, a lot of common denominators. And those kinds, that set of attributes can really trigger the imagination, particularly if it's already inclined to distrust whatever that product or person line is. The, the classic attack of the other uh, in any way it's perceived. And Dr. Turner, before I let you go and get excited about your signing uh, this Saturday at one, the Heritage House 139, Hampton Street at 1.30, I believe it is. Uh, what haven't yeah. we discussed that you want to make sure people know about this book, about any of your other books, or about you? Oh, I think, you know, one of the things that I've heard that the, um, you know, that I've, I finished a book about the Obamas, and there's like, oh, yeah, you know, that's sort of yesterday's news. There's nothing that can really, I can learn from understanding about the Obamas. If, if that's a position you're taking, take a look at the comments section of any news story about the unveiling of the presidential portraits this week. And if you get to a healthy comments section with multiple comments, you're virtually going to see the chapter outline of my book in the negative things that some people are saying about well, them. And of course, the, the uh, thesis of the book talks about uh, what we saw in 2016 as being uh, sort of directly linked to uh, the Obama administration and uh, those who were uh, opposed and those who who uh, believe a lot of these uh, contemporary legends and conspiracy theories. Yeah, absolutely. And and I do want to and maybe I'll, if I if I've got a second to add, of this. course. Um, I can respect someone who didn't vote for Barack Obama based on his policies mm. and based on a pol genuine political difference. Mm -hmm. um, it's the it's, it's false information fueling the vote that I'm critiquing here. I am right there with you. I'm Gianna Volpe. That's Dr. Patricia Turner. Again, just a reminder that she will be signing her brand new book, Trash Talk, Anti-Obama Lore and Race in the 21st Century this Saturday at 130 at 139 Hampton Street in Sag Harbor amid Harbor Fest this weekend. Um, Jack Johnson, I got you from the from here to now to you record of 2013. This was the Hot Sounds segment underwritten by ha Sag Harbor Theater right here on Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Back when all my little goals seemed so 
Every pot of gold filling full of distortion. Heaven was a place still in space, not in motion, but soon. I got you. I got everything. I've got you. I don't need nothing more than you. I got everything. I've got you. Through the hills, trying to pretend that we both know. Maybe if we save her, we could build a little home. But then the hailstorm came and yelled, "You need to let go. You got no control." No, I got you. I got everything. I've got you. I don't need nothing more than. I got everything. I've got you. This weight's too much alone. Some days I can't hold it at all. You take it on for me. When tomorrow's too much, I'll carry it all. I got you. Tomorrow's too much. I'll carry it all. I got you. I got you. I got everything. I got you. I don't need nothing more than you. I got everything. I got you. All right, thanks to some quick Googling, I found out that tonight is actually uh, a full moon. Uh, It looks like the harvest moon is tonight, the full moon lying near Jupiter and Saturn. The moon will rise only shortly after sunset and look full um, tomorrow night, the night of September 10th. So I'm going to hop past Rory Kelly's Up From Here, which is my favorite track of Shadow Work. Uh, to play another one from that record, also great, called Full, excuse me, Full Moon Charm Bracelet from the Shadow Work record. Of course, Sarah Marie, uh, not of course, but Sarah Marie Rory's Hawk in the Round will be on deck after that. Sarah Bareilles' Love Song from the Little Voice record after that, and so on. It is 21 minutes before the NPR news break at the top of the hour. In the end of this edition of The Heart, I will thank our guests a little bit later and play Rory Kelly now. Shout out to her, wonderful human being. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are a wonderful human being, and you are listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
Put this on a bracelet because a charm is just a memory. Now I have had all I can take of suffering and sacrifice. Now I am not helping one single being when I count myself out. I am not doing myself a service when I push it all back. Comprehensible to everybody but me. Goodbye to believe in overwork is the only way to get there. I am living at a deficit. Goodbye to believe in I'll be free in one more year, 12 more months. Biding time until the stories get thin enough to let me out. Magic moments never come, so fine. I'll make the magic myself.
Ten minutes before the NPR news break at the top of the hour and this and the end of this broadcast week for the heart of the East End here on Long Island's only NPR radio station. I would be so remiss if I did not include, which I didn't actually in the beginning uh, part of the show when we talked about uh, those who have recently lost loved ones, that the heart of the East End goes out to the Hawili family um, after the loss of East NPR giant Brian Hawili, of course, deep gratitude to our guests this morning, Bree Onisha and Dr. Patricia Turner, as well as our underwriters, Village Overhead Doors and Sag Harbor Cinema, as well as you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLI WFM, leading you into the NPR news break with Little Feet's Voices on the Wind and the Wind and the Waves Neon Prayer Flags. I'm Gianna Volpe, and you, whoever you are out there, you are awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only NPR radio station, WLIWFM, the weekday morning and midnight show, The Heart of the East End.